the gospel changes everything and at the same time changes nothing. Now, hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't, I know we're talking about false teachers and all that, so don't, don't be like, wow, Richard, you're making this really easy on us. No, don't we'll start labeling me a heretic or false teacher yet. Let me explain. See, when we come to faith and choose to follow Jesus, it does change everything. It changes our eternal destination. It chooses the way that we live our life here and now. Our desires change. Uh, we, we look at things differently, and we're able to handle more and heal from the past all because of what Jesus does for us when we accept the gospel. Yet, in all the things that changes, it does not change your immediate situation, all right? So you still have the consequences from your mistakes before you came to Jesus. Uh, you, you still have the same place that you live, the same family, the same friends, the same job. The difference, though, is now you have God with you to help you in the mundane of life. You're surrendering to do life His way, led by His kingdom priorities. So after being saved, it's all about following Jesus and doing what He did, and He directs your path and has the final say. It's about bringing the gospel to your everyday life. Uh, Bridges he actually says this in his book, Respectable Sins. It's an amazing book that has really convicted me a lot here lately. But he says it this way. He says, The gospel, though, is only for sinners, for those who recognize their need of it. Many Christians think of the gospel as only for unbelievers. Once we trust in Christ, so the thinking goes, we no longer need the gospel. But the gospel is a vital gift from God, not only for our salvation, but also to enable us to deal with the ongoing activity of sin in our lives. So we still need the gospel every day. And that's more and more what I, I have, I'm more and more realizing this truth and this reality is that we need the gospel every day. That we, it's constantly coming back to, all right, what does the gospel say to this matter? And, and, and yet, however, there is still this tension between our current situation and the glory ahead, right? That's the ultimate tension that we have, especially when it comes to our places of, places of employment. And that's the struggle Paul deals with in our passage today. In 1 Timothy 6, uh, 1 through 2, uh, the first part of verse 2, all right? Here's the reality. When you leave here, you have to get a job, all right? If you get nothing else, write that down. That is a definite must-do thing, all right? Get a job. We want, and that's why we're here. We want to help you decide your passion and where God's calling you and try to help you in that matter. But no matter what, you need to work, all right? Our society, we have this thing of wanting all the free stuff, like Santa Claus type thing, without putting in the work. Whereas scripture actually calls us that work is a good thing. It's established by God from the very get-go. He tells Adam, this is your job. All right? He tells Eve, this is your job. And here's the thing. You think getting into heaven is going to be the ultimate retirement. You get to heaven and you get other tasks. All right? Because if you're faithful with a little down here, then he gives you more up there. Scripture talks about where you can, it's, it's, there's this whole concept of, hey, you just work and then you're done type thing. No, there's always something more to be done. Uh, and the only difference is in heaven is we'll be able to do it without any heartache and pain and toil type thing. It will just be easy, all right? But work is a good thing. But with this, there is some good news and bad news. So the bad news, here's the bad news that I need to break to you. 
you're going to work for bosses you don't like. And you might think, well, you know what? I'm just going to start my own business. I'm going to be the entrepreneur. And here's the thing. If you do that, then the government is your boss. And I'm telling you, that's an even worse boss, all right? Uh, uh, and so that's the bad news. You're going to have bosses and people that you have to work with that you don't like. Here's the good news. You are also going to work for bosses and people that you do like. It comes and goes. It's part, part of it. And here's the real kicker that we're going to see today in Scripture. You need to be an honest, hardworking, and dedicated employee to both. It doesn't matter if they're good or bad. You have to be all in. So I want to read this passage, and I'm first going to read from the ESV because I like uh, the way that it actually uh, talks about stuff, uh, and it's more closer to the original language. And, and then I'll read from the New Living Translation that I normally read from. Uh, but I wanted, the ESV has a certain phrase in there that I would definitely want us to uh, key in on. So the ESV says, Let all who are under a yoke as bondservants regard their own masters as worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. Those who have believing masters must not be disrespectful on the ground that they are brothers, Rather, they must serve all the better since those who benefit by their good service are believers and beloved. All right? And here's what it says in the New Living. All slaves should show full respect for their masters so that they will not bring shame on the name of God and his teaching. If the masters are believers, that is no excuse for being disrespectful. Those slaves should work all the harder because their efforts are helping other believers who are well-loved. All right. Now... I know we're talking about, it says here, it says about slaves, and then we talked about bond servants. I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about slavery today, all right? Uh, we've already kind of addressed that a little bit later on, uh, and, and in an, even in Bible class, we've even talked about how Scripture has actually led to the abolition of slavery, all right? Uh, and earlier on in 1 Timothy, if you remember, Paul actually condemned the slave trading, the cattle trading of what happened in the U.S., but you need to understand that about 25 to 40% of the Roman population were in slavery of some sort. It was a common thing. The churches were made up of slave and masters. A lot of it was because they had an outstanding debt, and so they were working off their debt. Some of it was because of war, that they, their country was taken uh, captive or war, uh, and so then they are now the servants of the people. Uh, and some of them actually volunteered to become slaves. Because they saw that how this master uh, took care of their slaves, and it was a better way of life than what they had. And so it was actually a better thing for them to put themselves in that, that, that place. Slavery is still true today. We still have the sex trade. We still have other types of slavery. And also, if you're in debt, you're in slavery. Uh, Jewish law, though, actually said that every seven years, all debts are are wiped clean, and slaves are supposed to be set free. This is the year of jubilation, all right? This, is, this was in their law. Uh, didn't always get practiced, but it was there. Now, some slaves, they performed menial household tasks, uh, and they were called more stewards. They supervised work of lesser servants or managed the master's finances. And in time of Jesus, some people were slaves because they were born to slave parents, all right? Some were captured in war, uh, and... And some slaves were better educated than their masters even, uh, served, and they served as teachers of their master's children. 
Uh, slaves of rich masters had all kinds of opportunities that they would never have had on their own. Uh, but slaves had no freedom. All right? And their owners could do with them whatever they wanted, including selling them to someone else. And after slaves become uh, around 30 years, they, most of the time they were allowed to be free. They were freed men with duties to the former master and his family. But some slaves earned enough money on their own all right, to buy their freedom, uh, which would mean that their children could also be free. And, and so that's kind of the context of the slavery there. So, but we need to realize that truly none of us are really free. None of us. Even here in America, we are all, the scripture talks about this, we are either slaves to Jesus, even Paul and Peter and some of the apostles said, hey, we're bondservants to Jesus, or we're slaves to sin and Satan. Those are the two choices there. Now, a bondservant that's talked about here was given the freedom, uh, but chose to stay with the master. In Exodus uh, 21, 5 through 6, talks about this. It says, but slaves may declare, I love my master, my wife and my children, I don't want to go free. If he does this, his master must present him before God. Then this master must take him to the door or doorpost and publicly pierce his ear with an owl. After that, the slave will serve his master for life. So after given the freedom, if the slave wanted to, they could say, you know what? No, I, 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 want, I love my master and I don't want to leave my family. And he, they would voluntarily give their lives to the person. And that's kind of the bond servant, what is talked about here. Now, for application's sake, let's just be thinking about, while I might still be using the term slaves and masters and all that, we got to be thinking employer, employee, and employee, okay? That, that's the best translation and application for this text. And so, verse 1, how are we supposed to behave? How are we supposed to be, uh, how is this relationship, and uh, as a Christian, how are we supposed to view this, all right? Verse 1, most believe that the master talked about in verse 1 are non-Christians, all right? Uh, and, and they have Christian slaves, though. Their slaves would go to church. Their slaves were Christians, but they were not. And here's the thing. You might think, well, that's kind of a, you, don't, you get a free pass there. You don't have to, you know, they're not Christians, so you don't have to show them respect. But you notice in verse 1, it actually says, show full respect, all right? Full respect. N- hold nothing back, all right? Uh, and ESV has said, regard their own masters as worthy of all honor, all right? Why is that? Well, your work and your attitude is a reflection of you and your beliefs. And we need to understand that a bigger concept here that you're not really working for the master, but the heavenly master. Your work is your worship. We might think that worship is just singing songs and everything, but our, actually our lives are worship. And when we work, that is an act of worship. Uh, a lot of the former Puritans and, and Quakers and stuff like that, they actually viewed that. That's why they, their work is so high quality, is because they recognize this. Uh, and this isn't, like I said, a new concept. Ephesians 6, 5 through 9 says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely, and this is the key here, as you would serve Christ. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. All right, that's when... You know, we all kind of just slough off, and then all of a sudden somebody, oh, yep, all right, working, working hard, right? Not just when they're watching you as slaves of Christ, do the will of God, and with all your heart, 
Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them. Remember, you both have the same master in heaven, and he has no favorites. In Colossians 3, 22 through chapter 4, verse 1. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. Serve them sincerely because your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do as you are working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember, the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and the master you are serving as Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you'll be paid back for the wrong you have done. For God has no favorites. Masters, be just and fair to your slaves. Remember that you have a master in heaven. All right? So, again, it's, just, it's over and over again. Hey, you're working not just for this person. You're working mainly for God. I remember this really came home to me when I was uh, in college. Uh, and uh, went to Ozark Christian College in Joplin, uh, Missouri. And uh, I was talking with someone, uh, and he was a manager uh, at some business, and I can't remember what business it was. But we were talking, and he was asking, and we were just kind of getting to know each other. And then, then he said, oh, you go to Ozark? I was like, yeah. And he goes, man. And I was like, uh-oh, what did I step on here? And he, he went on to explain that he would almost automatically not hire someone if it had Ozark Christian College on their application. He said, they're the worst employees because they're always wanting off. They want Wednesday nights off for church. They want Sundays off for church. They want to take this week off. They want to do this. And it's all about, and, and he's like, it, it's not worth me hiring them because they're, they're never wanting to work. And that's a shame. Because the message then gets tainted. The gospel message that we have gets tainted. And here is someone that needs to see that, but they don't really care about the message because of the actions. They, they're like, I mean, if this is what a Christian is, is, is this lazy person that's always wanting to get off and wanting the paycheck, like that, sorry, I, I'm not doing that. So we have to take this seriously, that we're not working just for that person, that employee, that that place, we're working for God. And so everything that we do needs to have that enthusiasm, that focus, that, hey, this is my way of worshiping God, and, and I am going to do all that I can here to glorify God in my actions. So in, in, in this, I'm just going to give you some just really quick keys to a great employee, all right? The things that I have had to learn the hard way myself, and then also observing some others, all right? And, and in life and in the other jobs that I've had, because I've had a wide variety of jobs, and I've been around a lot of different bosses and employees, and I can tell you those that are good and those that aren't, right? So here's one that will save you a lot of time. Uh, it's a little phrase. 15 minutes early is on time. On time is late. 15 minutes early is on time. On time is late. All right, well, but my shift doesn't start until... 8.30, all right? But that means, what that means to in the employee's mind, or the employer's mind, is that you are ready to go at 8.30. So if you show at 8.30, and you still have all this other stuff you need to do, and, and everything like that, and you're not ready to just punch in and get going, then you're not really ready at 8.30, and you're robbing them of time. So growing up with that, I 
it, it's helped me a lot in the fire service and other places. It's just having that mindset of, hey, 15 minutes early, I'm on time. And that allows me that little buffer if traffic gets bad or something comes up. But my goal was always get there 15 minutes early. Don't pass up a problem you can fix. All right? Nothing drives an employer crazy more than if they walk by something and here's trash or here's this thing that's broken and everybody else has passed it too. Just take five minutes, just pick it up, you know, just deal with it. Just, hey, there's a problem, I'm going to fix it. Take that self-initiative type thing. Uh, a great employee's humble. They're, they, they, they come there, they're ready to work. They realize that, hey, I'm here to give a service. And, and that's another thing is realizing that when you get a paycheck, that's actually a contract, that you're going to bring your best to that employer. Always learning, all right? Nobody likes to know it all. All right, so, so going in and saying, hey, I didn't know that. Can you teach me that? Learning, always learning something new. How do, can you benefit? And then using that to benefit your employer. Own your mistakes. Man, so much would be better if we would just do that. Just own up to it. I mean, there was guys that they would break stuff. I mean, that, there's, there's breakable, unbreakable stuff, and then there's firefighter proof. That, there's, those are two different things. Like, you say, hey, this is unbreakable. That was a challenge. It was like, okay, let's see what we can do. Uh, and guys, I mean, this, when we're training, when you're doing stuff, stuff's going to break. Stuff's going to happen, all right? And it's part of the business. But so many times, guys would get so scared. Oh, no, I broke it. They're gonna, I'm going to get written up. Blah, 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 blah. And so they would hide it. I mean, I just claimed it. I was like, hey, I, I blew the mud flap off the truck when the tire blew. That was me. That actually happened. I had the mud flap. Uh, it, 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 you know, that was me. Just own it, right? Just own the mistake. Hey, I made the wrong call there. That was me. Hey, how did this happen? That was me. I'm sorry. So much more. Uh, it, there's so much more grace involved in that when you own the mistake and come forward with that. Being self-motivating, self-starter, all right? If the bosses constantly have to say, hey, I need you to go do this. Now I need you to go do that. Now I need you to go do this. It, having that self-starter, it's so much more freeing to the employer. Staying busy, all right? Doing the right stuff. I remember my first job was bagging groceries in a grocery store, all right? Uh, and so that's why I love going to Winco. It allows me to relive my glory days, all right? Uh, we would have competitions like, all right, how many bags can you get this? Boom, 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 boom. You know, we, it was a fun job. It was a really fun job, especially working with my uh, friends from high school and stuff like that. But I had a friend that he would, he would purposely look for the least amount of work to do. Like, he was constantly going to go check the shelves, all right? Uh, and, and he was just never where we needed him to be. Staying busy, all right? There's a difference. Work hard. Work hard, but smart, all right? If there's an easier way to do it, do it. <laughs> there's no reason to make it harder on yourself, but be willing to get down and dirty and do the hard work. Not gossiping and treating everybody with respect, all right? That we're all in this together. There's no reason to cause the dissension. Being reliable, that you're going to be there on time and do your job. That, that hey, I have this that needs to be done. Who's, who can I do? Oh, they're always reliable. They always see it through. I'm going to put it, them in charge. Problem solving, looking at a problem, figuring out how to solve this in a way that is better for everyone. All right? That's going to save the employer money. Being a team player. All right, communication skills. Some of this is my own personal, some of this is taken offline. But it's, it's all these things make great employees. There's another thing of, uh, 
that we've kind of been working through is, is to be humble, all right? You also got to be hungry. You got to have that drive to get the work done that you're self-motivating. And then you got to be smart. That's really when you capitalize these, all these things. If you have those three things that you're humble, all right, uh, and you're hungry, getting a job, and then you're smart with how you treat people, then that makes the ideal employee. All right, moving on, verse 2. If the masters are believers, that is no excuse for being disrespectful, all right? Those slaves uh, should work all the harder because their efforts are helping other believers who are well-loved, all right? This is, this is this whole concept of familiarity can breed contempt, all right? It, it, that whole phrase means extensive knowledge or close association with someone or something leads to a loss of respect for them uh, uh, or that thing, all right? That, that's what that means. And this, I would see this happen so many times is where a guy would be promoted type thing. And hey, we remember when this guy was like running down the hallway type thing, acting crazy, all right? And now all of a sudden he's going to be barking out orders, all right? I, come on, man. I know who you are. You, you know, just, just the other day before you got promoted, you were on the table dancing like crazy, man. Like that, come on. Right, and that's where he's saying is like, listen, you might be very familiar with this person. That doesn't mean that you get a free pass. Like, hey, we're brothers now. We're equals. All right. No, you still need to realize that there is still an order here. So part of the Christian walk is an accountability, and so you could see this even happening where the master's confessing stuff, and the slave's like, oh, I didn't know that. Mm, all right. And so now going to use that over that person, right, to get maybe that vacation that he said I couldn't have. All right. That that's where we start seeing this. But we need to remind ourselves that we're all in need of the forgiveness uh, of Jesus. Otherwise, we become spiritual prideful. It's you don't want to get so buddy-buddy that you forget the roles, all right? And then another possibility here is that the slave, think about this, was the elder, an overseer of the church and not the master. Because spiritual maturity and character of God looks, uh, looks for is not dependent on social rank. So this slave could have this power in the church and then have to come underneath the master at work. He's saying, hey, listen, you need to remember your place and work for them. Instead of looking to slack off, you should work even harder because they are Christians. All right? There have been bosses that I, I saw as friends, but I still remember their position over me. And I would work even harder because I wanted to see them succeed because I knew if they succeed, I succeed. All right? So we should work all the harder and want to, the work to succeed because it means good things for you. So you work for their success. But you might be saying, all right, but here's the thing. It's just hard. I mean, you don't understand my boss. You don't understand how unreasonable they are, how they are just all over the place. They, they, they uh, take all the praise, but they scold us for the mistakes. I mean, they're immoral. I mean, it, I, it's just you don't understand, Richard. You just don't understand. How do you deal with all that and the injustice? And I would say that this comes back to the phrase, that was given earlier about the yoke. All right, this is why ESV says, let all who are under a yoke as bondservants regard their masters as worthy of full honor. So, yoke. A yoke was made up of wood, all right? So imagine uh, in those two loops underneath of there is an ox head, all right? There's an ox on either side of it. Uh, and it was hand-carved to fit around the neck and shoulders of the animal to prevent pain or discomfort. 
there's two ideas that come from this word of yoke that Scripture uses over and over again. One is submission, all right? In the ancient culture, the word yoke was a term that was used to describe submission. So when someone was described as being yoked to someone or something, it was communicating the idea that he or she was in submission to that person or thing. But it was already understood that slaves were under yoke. So why the redundancy here? Right? Why, say, why he could have just said, you slaves or you bondservants, but he uses the word yoke. Yeah, then the other part of it is that discipleship. All right? Two oxen are chosen to share a yoke. The first is an older, seasoned ox, and he's trained and rugged from years of routine. The second is a new, young ox, and he has potential but is inexperienced. All right? He has the power, the, the guts, so, but he's like, he doesn't know what he's doing. So by sharing the same yoke with a seasoned workhorse, the mature trains the young. He's like, hey, listen, it, just hold on here, Sonny. You know, just follow me along. Like, we're going to get through this together. Just you, you got to work at this pace. And he, I know this route. I know what to do. Follow me along here. Not only that, but the experienced one pulls harder to bear the majority of the load because he realizes, hey, this is what it takes. So he's able to bear down more. Since the older one leads, the younger ox does not have to wonder what to do. He just leans on his mentor and copies what he does. So he's yoked together, and they just kind of go along together. Now let me ask you, what other verse do you remember hearing the verse mentioned yoke? And who said it? Jesus, in Matthew 11, 28, 30. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heaven's burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. To be yoked to Jesus is to submit to him and his leading. The word easy doesn't mean simple, uh, but good. If, if I'm yoked to Jesus, there's rest in being yoked to someone good, loving, patient, knowing that he's going to take the brunt of the burden. And everyone's yoked to something. And the bottom line, Jesus says, you're either yoked with him or Satan. Being yoked with Jesus and following him, he's going to lead you into hard situations. He's going to keep you maybe in that job, underneath that boss, and he's going to teach you some things in that time, but you've got to stay yoked with him in order for it to bear the fruit, to bear the harvest. Character is what Jesus is about, and character is forged on the gruesome battlefield, not in a sterile classroom. It's not something that you can just learn. Read a book on character, and oh, I got character now. No, it is formed and forged on the battlefield. And Jesus cares more about changing your character than your circumstances. Having the wooden yoke placed on you is part of what it means when you decide to follow Jesus by taking up the wooden cross and dying to yourself. Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way and take up your cross and follow me. If you want to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Hey, you got to take up your own cross, but listen, you're going to be yoked with Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can go to work with Jesus. You can go to school with Jesus. He wants to be right there with you. Your workplace, your school is your mission field. Wherever God calls you to, that is your mission field. 
and you think you're being mistreated, he gets it, and he'll carry the weight. You think you're being insulted, he gets it, and will carry the weight. Think of all your work as a loss, he gets it, and he'll bring about victory. You think you deserve better. Jesus did deserve better and chose to die in your place instead. Listen, the flesh is going to rise up and at times demand your own way. And when that happens, you need to remember who's really in charge and lean on Jesus, who's been through a lot worse so he can get you through and bear a harvest. You have a choice. You can go with Jesus or you can follow yourself, which is, in essence, following Satan. I can tell you that I would say choose to follow Jesus because he died for you and you can trust someone that's willing to lay down their life for you because you know that they have their best in mind. But you have a yoke you need to choose and one yoke will cultivate heaven on earth. The other will bring hell. The question is, what do you want your harvest to be?